Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Welcome back to another episode of the Unconvention Podcast. Now, today, we're going to be chatting with someone who is not just good at communications. He's a communication ace. He knows how to communicate in ways that you and I have not even thought of yet. Please welcome to the podcast, Chris Hewitt. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Warwick. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm just looking forward to learning from the communication ace and looking forward to hearing more about your session at Unconvention, because there's the power of poetry going on, and I do love alliteration, rhyming, and all the fun stuff, but let's not peek too soon. Let's start with the basics. Just so that everyone knows who you are, give us your two- to three-minute verbal show show reel. What do you usually speak on, and what wows your audience? Well, I get audiences excited about talking with each other. So I give them the reasons why, the tools, and the techniques to improve their communication so that when I finish speaking to them, they're really looking forward to going out and practicing these techniques and building better relationships, having better conversations, both as part of the conventions that they're attending and also their work and their lives. As a speaker, because it's interesting, are you talking about you're getting everyone to talk to each other? Can you get them to be quiet afterwards as well? Is there is there a few tricks on how to get everyone to just be quiet and refocus? Well, fortunately, I do talk also about how to listen better, how to ask better questions and the value of silence. So they're all really important communication tools to use. Yes, 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 yes. Listening, the very, very often missed key part of communication. Hey, um, we know that Hollywood greats all had a secret career before they became famous. As a communication ace, what were you before you were a communication ace? What's your secret career that you had beforehand? <laughs> well, it's not so secret, but I have had a varied background and I use all of that to do the work and to speak about communication that I do now. I spent 20 years in the Air Force as a fighter pilot. My last job was the commanding officer of Australia's version of Top Gun, where we taught all the, the fighter pilots for the Air Force. After that, I worked in consulting and business development. And I'm also a spoken word artist, a, a poet who specializes in performing my poetry on stage. And the work that I do now brings together all of those varieties. So I like to talk about teaching people to communicate with the precision of a fighter pilot and the passion of a poet. It's superb. And I love the way you go, oh, yeah, I, I was a pilot and ran sort of Australia's Top Gun. Just like, we'll just breeze over that. i got to go back to that. That's obviously a huge adrenaline rush. When was the last time you flew a fighter pilot and a fighter plane, and do you miss it? Uh, yes, unfortunately, it was 15 years ago that was the last time I flew a fighter. And I only miss it when people remind me of it, actually, Warwick, but... <laughs> Uh, so I'll just uh, drag up a bit of pain and suffering there for you. No, I, the reason I left the Air Force at that point was I didn't think I was going to get a better job than that one. And when you're in the services, it's changed a little now, but in, when well, I was in the services, you're expected to keep developing and getting promoted every two or three years. And eventually you reached a level where you were no longer flying, but you were involved much more in the management and the planning of operations for all of the other pilots. 
So I thought that was going to be the peak, the highlight of my career, and I decided to leave at that point. Fantastic. Leave at the top. What do you do to get that same kind of adrenaline rush now? Is that what the performance piece is? Does that give you that rush? Well, I, flying fighters never really was an adrenaline rush for me. I definitely flew with people who had that the need for speed, as uh, as people might have heard. For me, it was, it was something that just required a, a lot of dedication, preparation, desire to continually learn and develop. And the, actually flying the aircraft and flying well required all of those skills. So it was more of a craft for me rather than an, an, a rush. So what made you change from doing everything that you were doing to then go, you know what, I am going to be better serving the world as a speaker. What was that turning point? Well, about 10 years ago, it was actually the first time I got paid to perform poetry at a a weekend market in Canberra, where I'm based. And after I'd uh, finished my performance, this older, uh, gentle woman comes up to me and she looks me up in the eyes and, and says, so how are you going to use your poetry to change the world? And I didn't have an answer to that. I had no idea. It was not what I was thinking of with my poetry, but it stuck with me. And for many years, the creative side of my communication was separated from all of the business and the technical stuff. But I wanted to bring all those things together. And it took me several years to do it. But finally, I worked out that that's what I needed to do is to combine that creative communication with the technical, the business communication, everything I'd learned in instructing people how to fly as well as pitching ideas and working with consulting clients with that poetry side. And that's what I do now. I bring all of that experience to change the world with my poetry, but it's usually one person or one audience at a time. I love when you get random people give you this challenge that you're just like, poor, that's floored me. Have you ever had any other challenges come from any of your audiences? Because I would imagine you would have had some very interesting and different audiences from your consulting poetry, piloting, speaking kind of backgrounds. Have you had any other challenges that are re- or questions that have really hit you? I think the, the often this one's like, what's the most important thing I need to know about communication or what's the biggest lesson you've learned? Or some of the simple ones, as, as sort of you, as you've asked me, what was it like flying a fighter plane and then trying to work out how I can explain that to somebody else? Those questions that make you stop and reflect and think about things you've experiences you've had and try and relate them to people who yeah. don't have that background. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, you know it, it would be hard to describe, for example, flying a fighter plane to people who don't have the framework to sort of go. Well, you know, you're sitting in this big thing that's loaded with fuel and it's a tight spot and you all these buttons that you don't want to press the wrong one. So, I suspect, as with many business owners. It's not always a super smooth rise. Have you ever had a time that you just went, I just want to throw this in and just go back and get a real job, maybe go to Qantas, whatever? Have you ever been sort of wanting to throw it in? And if so, what happened and why did you keep going? I've been very fortunate. I've never really felt that I wanted to throw it all in. Like many people who work in the space that we do over the last couple of years, it has been challenging. And I've definitely had... It's always for me is as, as a sole business owner a roller coaster ride. So you go through these moments of complete exaltation, you know, excitement, and then you come into these other dips. You go, oh, so where's the next job coming from? Where's the next piece of work? And some of those moments can be fairly dark when it's hard to see that prospect. The things though that I remind myself of is that 
I'm continually surprised when people come to me and ask me for work, but it keeps happening, you know, so I know that the, there are people out there who value the work that I do and could benefit from me working with them. And that if I just keep having those conversations and putting myself out there, then it will arrive. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just continuing those conversations is so important. What about mindset? Have you ever been stuck and had to change your mindset or shift your mindset? And if so, was there something specific that you did? One of the biggest mindset shifts for me is the sales side of the work we do. It's actually going out and finding prospective clients that you are not actually in your network at the moment. I was very fortunate when I started working for myself, I had a very wide network and got a lot of work from that network, but I've had to expand beyond that to find new clients and, and clients in exciting areas and new areas for me. And in fact, it was working with a, a couple of guys that I'm sure you know, which is Michael Arnott and Marty Wilson. And working with them really helped me have the confidence and the realization that I can have these conversations with, and not in a way that feels icky and in a way that is mutually beneficial to the people that we work with. And that did, that was a, a switch for me. I'm not naturally a person who likes talking about themselves. I'm not someone who feels comfortable selling myself and giving them that's my business now is me. It's something that I had to get over. I had to get over myself really in that case, but that was big mindset shift for me. And that's a really common issue that many speakers or many business owners have, that they are flogging themselves for one of a more technical term. What did you have to shift in your mindset to be able to, or was there any specific technique that you used that, that allowed you to accept the fact that while you're selling yourself, it is the right thing to do, it is a healthy thing to do, it is a valid thing to do? It was talking to the right people at the right time. So finding the right people to talk to, finding a reason to talk to them now. So it may be they've just successfully completed an event and they might be starting to think about the event for next year. So it gives you something to talk about and it's something that you, in this case, it's me, but it's something because I've done that preparation, I've done that research, it's something that I know that I can contribute to and, I'm, and that they would be looking for people to contribute to. So you're looking for the sort of the puzzle piece, you know, you're already looking for the slot that you're going to fit into that was the change for me. And, and I realized that once you find places like that, then it's a natural, mutually beneficial conversation. It's not a cold call. It's not you inserting yourself into somebody's day, asking them if they want to buy Bitcoin or something. It's, you know, <laughs> it's that fit. Yeah. It's not yelling, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Yeah. The last two years have been special for speakers in our industry. How's it affected you? What's different now versus then? Well, I think you'll get this answer several times and a lot of people would be familiar with it, but it's the ability to work online as well as in person. And increasingly, I've found to be flexible as well. I delivered a, a masterclass to a company on Friday. It was in Adelaide, so I was fortunate to travel to be at their company headquarters and deliver it in person there to a room that had nine people on it. But we also had three of their people in Sydney in a room together and then another five people individually online. So that, and I didn't know that was the arrangement or how many people would be in each setup until basically I arrived in the room. So being flexible and being able to take advantage of what tools you have and the way that you can engage an audience, I think is essential to our work now. And that's something that I've spent a lot of time on learning 
and concentrating on because I think that flexibility is key for our business now. Yeah. And just for listeners to make a side note, I suspect it's going to happen more, that situation you've just discussed where you turn up somewhere and they go, oh, yeah, by the way, we've got the laptop set up and 10 people are joining us on Teams, Zoom, whatever. So I would suggest to speakers who are listening to make sure I have there are some people who have a clause in their contract saying, if this is hybrid, I will not do it because it is a different skill set. So it is about being prepared for that. So having that flexibility to be able to do it. And then, you know, I love that choice of like, if it's hybrid, I'm not doing it because it's too hard and it doesn't make it work for everyone. So listeners, just be aware that it could happen to you and how you're going to respond with it. So how has your target market or your topic really evolved over the last two to five years? Well, part of my topic hasn't evolved at all. I speak about communication and the way we communicate as human beings has not really changed. We started communicating tens of thousands. Some people think a hundred thousand years ago, we're grunting in each other's face beside a fireplace. And uh, to be fair, we haven't evolved much beyond that right now, I don't think. I was going to say friends with teenagers would say, yep, yep, that happens in my household a lot. <laughs> so some of the fundamentals, the majority of the fundamentals of communication have not changed. They are essentially the, the same elements for human beings. And it's always worthwhile us stopping and reflecting on that because we get distracted by work pressures, the way our work is organized, all of the IT and other tools that are there. So those things haven't changed. I think what has changed for communication is that people need to be able to communicate in circumstances that aren't face-to-face in the same room much more frequently now. So people are asking me for how does this principle apply to communicating as we are now online using Teams or Zoom or whatever system that you you have in your workplace. So I think it's the application, not the principles that have evolved over the last couple of years. Yeah. And communication's interesting in that essentially over the last couple of years, there's a new language called emojis. And some people do communicate rather extensively using emojis and or social media. There's a lot of communication done via memes or via acronyms, etc. Has that been a good, bad or different for our communication? I think it's essential, given though that we know that we've evolved to communicate standing in front of each other. Things like emojis make up the loss of tone, body language, those sorts of things that you get when you're just trying to communicate via messaging. So it, it tries to make up for that imperfectly, but it still does a, it can do a, a reasonably good job if you're familiar with emojis and that language of emojis. And I think that's important for us to be able to connect as human beings. And I think variety and humor, those sorts of things are all part of being human and including a little bit of color and and joking through memes and gifts and things like that. I think that's fantastic for our communication. It draws draws us together as human beings. It's what we would be doing if we were sitting next to each other beside a fireplace. We'd be joking. And it's interesting with, particularly with emojis, is all of a sudden nationality and language is no longer relevant because if you see a Christmas tree emoji, it doesn't matter what language it is, you know that it's a Christmas tree. So in some ways, it feels like it's breaking down barriers. With the work that you do, breaking down your communication barriers and the communication barriers of others, speaking has shifted. It's no longer just, I speak at conferences and that's all I do. What elements are in your business? What modalities or offerings do you have for your clients? I coach, so I do one-on-one and and group coaching. 
I deliver masterclasses and, and training in communication skills. I really enjoy working with executive teams on that level. So to provide some of these concepts, some of the theory, as well as that group coaching aspect to help them apply that to their work and improve the way they work together as a team. And I also consult. So I also talk to organizations about how they are structured for communication, because there are a lot of things that we tend to do to narrow our, our concerns as, as a leader, which are not necessarily beneficial for communication. So that they're the primary methods, as well as speaking, that I help people become better communicators. Yeah. Beyond those things you've mentioned, do you have anything else that you have as a revenue stream? Like, do you have online courses, products, services, that kind of stuff, or is it pretty much the things you've mentioned? Not yet. I would like to develop an online course. It's not something that I've done so far. And I'm in the middle of writing a book, but I don't expect that to be a revenue stream, probably. Books are rarely revenue streams. So that, that is something that I'm working on. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, hey, look, at Unconvention, we will be having a session on online courses, etc. So make sure you get ready for that one too. Yeah. Talking about, um, oh, before we get into Unconvention, from what you've seen over the past couple of years, you will have seen the, our industry evolve. Go forward 10, 15 years, put your big head science fiction fantasy look on. What do you reckon the future's going to hold? Are we talking holograms? Are we talking VR? Are we talking, you know, mind melding where we just think stuff and somewhat? What, where do you reckon that we're headed? Well, I have to confess that I'm strongly influenced now by having listened to Michael McQueen's episode in this series. And as the futurist, he would be the person I'd probably um, go to first. He had some excellent points. And I think that there is that, that element of augmented reality, virtual reality, the extension of Facebook into Meta that he mentioned that aligns with uh, Ready Player One, that book and movie, that I think that's inevitable. There'll be some way of uh, expanding social media to be more immersive that may, and I know it will, not may, it will provide a forum for events and speaking and the work that we do. So I think that is definitely coming. But the other aspect is what's not going to change. And we've seen it now, as soon as lockdowns ended and we had an opportunity to have in-person events with some safety measures, people leapt at the opportunity to get in front of each other. They are really thirsting for human connection you know, peep the feel. There's just a feel of people all in the room together. Listening to someone standing in front of you is so much more engaging than trying to connect online. So I, I don't think that's going to change. I think that until we've had the tens of thousands of years that the internet's been around so we can evolve to use the internet, then I think we'll still need that human connection. Yeah, I think your observation, how we like to sit around in a circle in front of a fire and talk, We've been doing it for eons, and I suspect that we will continue to do it for eons because there is something just very fundamental about it that seems to hit our hot buttons. Yeah. All right, let's talk about our round of the fire gathering that we're having, Digital Fire, mind you, for Unconvention 2022. What's got you excited about Unconvention? Oh, there's several things. It's the variety of speakers and presenters I'm looking forward to learning from people who I've not yet had the fortune to meet and also people who I may never meet because they're in other countries and from other places. So I think that's a fantastic advantage of a convention like this is bringing people from around the world and who will be sharing their experience. I think also something I'm particularly excited about is the opportunity to see what these people do with online presentation and how they 
take advantage of the tools that we have now to reach people into their houses and their rooms and the, what they do with those tools. So that's something I am looking forward to. Tell me about your session because I've read the title of it and I've got to say eyebrows were raised and in a very positive manner. So tell me what is the session that you're running and what do you expect delegates to walk away with from it? Well, my session is all about making your communication in whatever form, making it more interesting so it grabs people's attention, making it more understandable so it's in terms that they can sort of grab and to make it more memorable. And the way that I'll be helping you make your communication, all of those three things, is through thinking like a poet. So I'm going to share a bit of my own poetry as well for a little bit of difference, and I'll show you how tools that poets use can be applied to all of your communication to bring it to life. And things like how to effectively find and use metaphor, how to use evocative imagery to take these ethereal concepts that we often speak about and put them into practical, real things that you can imagine grabbing, you can imagine actually seeing and, and standing alongside, and then how to use the wonderful music of language to bring your words alive and make them memorable. The alliteration, the rhythm, the rhyme, these tools that the poets use and, and orators use as well. They're the things that I'm going to be talking about and, and sharing with people so that they can make their words sing and be more connected to their audiences. There is something fantastic about that word orator. I think it's nice to be a speaker, but an orator is someone who just takes it to that next level and has maybe not mastery, but a far more control of language. And words are such a powerful thing. So I'm looking forward to your session to look at how I can get better using some of my words so I can also, do a bit of poetry every now and again. By the way, Chris, for those of the people who are in Canberra, where can they come and hear some of your poetry nights? Do you have open poet forums? Oh, yes. I haven't been to one for a while. Unfortunately, a lot of those events haven't been on in the last couple of years. I was very, very fortunate last year during the lockdown in Canberra that Canberra Theatre put on live-streamed events. So I got to perform on the Canberra Theatre stage to an empty theatre. <laughs> which was on video. And that performance is online that people can find me. My poetry pseudonym is CJ Bowerbird. So if people look for me, they if you look for CJ Bowerbird, you might be able to find some of those things. Excellent. Next year, though, I do, I do hope to be doing more performance. And I'm working on a play, actually, right now. Oh, fantastic. Yes. So, uh, yeah, look, if you're interested in finding out more, reach out to Chris. What's your website, Chris, if people want to reach out to? ChrisHewitt.com. Who would have thought something as simple as his own name, chrishewitt.com. Let's wrap things up with our rapid-fire question series here. Chris, what's your favourite platform? Is it Zoom, Teams, something different? What do you like? Zoom, definitely Zoom. Yeah. Zoom seems to be very common. I think it's just it's very user-friendly and people know it. What's your favourite tech hack? The one that I'm using right now and I've been using recently is Crisp. Just taking the background noise out of your microphone. I found that works very effectively, actually. It's a crisp with a K too, isn't it? That's right, yeah. From memory, crisp.ai, very nice bit of tech there. What about productivity? What's your favourite productivity hack? Well, for several years, I've been using time boxing in my calendar. Instead of to-do lists, I actually put things directly into my calendar and give them a time. So instead of starting my day by saying I'm going to do these things, I actually put them in the calendar. Oh, fantastic. And I found much more likely to actually do them by the end of the day. 
That's it. That is it. What's your favourite meal? Macaroni and cheese. Oh, what's one thing you can't... What's a meal you can't stand? Maybe after all your times in the Air Force where you've had the gruel slopped on the plate like we see in all the films, is there some meal that you just can't eat? Not off the top of my head, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's just I know, you know, you, you see the whole, you know, thousands of people in a mess hall... And maybe it's from watching too much mash and they always describe how inedible the food is. But macaroni cheese is a favourite one. What about your favourite holiday spot? I love getting dressed up and I like cold weather. So places that I can wear ties are high on my list. So New York is a place that I'd love to go back to. In Australia, Hobart. And I haven't been to Melbourne for a long time. So they're the places that I'm looking forward to going to soon. We look forward to welcoming you back to Melbourne. And don't come at the moment because it's not cold. It's rather warm. It's about 30 degrees Celsius here today. What about wine, beer, gin, vodka or tequila? Which of those would you choose, if any? Anything except vodka. It's kind of like like asking, do you like Coke, Fanta, Sprite or water? You know, vodka is just unflavoured alcohol, so... <laughs> it's one step away from pure ethanol. Yeah. If you could have dinner with any three people in the world, who would it be? I would love to have dinner with Michelle Obama. I think she's a wonderful speaker and she has obviously a very different background to me. I think also Jacinda Ardern, her ability to be natural and so human in the way she communicates is impressive. And I think Uncle Jack Charles, who is an Australian actor, he has had an incredible, challenging life too. And I think as someone who, you know, I represent the coloniser of the country, I really would love to learn more from the people who were here first, you know, the custodians of the land that we're fortunate enough to be on. Talking about orators, like he has a way with words but also has this beautiful voice. Yeah. I love listening to his voice. I was fortunate enough to go to an event where, he did a pre-recorded welcome, uh, welcome to country, and just it was just wonderful to hear it. Uh, what's your favourite book or podcast for professional development? Well, I've got a two for one, Radical Candor by Kim Scott. It's a book about how you can say what you mean while still considering and being respectful to the other person, and there's a podcast that goes with it as well. Fantastic. Now, here's your final rapid-fire question that wasn't on the list, so I'm going to uh, hit you with it. What's the one thing I should have asked you during this session today that I haven't? Oh, there's nothing that I was not have not missed something that I wanted to cover. Fantastic. And possibly I might be giving too much away if I told you the questions that you could have asked. True that, true that. So let's save it for unconvention. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Warwick. Yeah, it's been delightful. I've really enjoyed it. Fantastic. You've been listening to the Unconvention Podcast for 2022 with our guest, Chris Hewitt. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation and follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by your podcast concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest.